It's Sunday morning. Time for the Great Outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio, and thank you so much for joining me. Very much appreciate it, and hope you have a great week in the outdoors this coming week as spring is rolling in. I'm going to start off with a subject that, well, it's it's like, do these things ever go away? And, and I'm very upbeat as a person. Try to have the show be upbeat even when we talk about serious issues. Bird flu. It appears that, of course, we had COVID, and we're well aware of that. Well, it appears that a more deadly strain of what is called high-path avian influenza, or HPAI, HPAI, high-path avian influenza, is, is becoming more serious than we had originally thought. It was first discovered in South Carolina by a hunter this past January who shot a widgeon. And it turned out to have a bird or bird flu, as it's commonly called. Uh, now we are finding that the bird flu is being located in several flocks of, or one in particular in Texas, of pheasants, so game farms. Uh, when, when the bird flu hit before, hundreds of, actually millions of poultry had to be killed. But this time it appears that it's it's more serious for, for both wild birds as well as game farm birds. So in Texas, an entire facility had to be, all the birds had to be euthanized recently. And if this continues, we run the possibility that this bird flu could work its way through captive rearing and breeding flocks of pheasants and quail and partridge and chucker uh, in America. And if that happens, we might find the very untenable and sad situation that a lot of game farms would have to shut down and would not have birds to be released. And it might be well be the end of a lot of them and could, could diminish the shooting preserve business, bring it to its knees. Um, hopefully this, this will not occur. But the antenna is out that this bird flu is more serious. And in South Dakota recently, hunters across the central flyway are seeing very noticeable numbers of die-offs of snow geese during the spring hunting season. And these reports are just beginning to show up at the CDC. If you go to the Center for Disease Control website, you really don't find much on bird flu, and yet hunters... One day in, in South Dakota, one hunter and a couple of his friends picked up 462 dead snow geese. And they piled them in the front end of a front loader, a front end loader, and they dug a hole and they buried them in the ground. And they said there were another two to 300 dead or dying that they couldn't get. So that's, that's 750, 800 birds that just a few hunters in South Dakota picked up, and yet the CDC is reporting numbers of, oh, 42 to 50 birds. So the CDC is way behind. Um, and it does appear that the snow geese have it much more seriously than they have had in the past. So we'll see what happens. But as the snow geese move north, 
Obviously, they're taking the birds, they're taking this, this bird flu with them. And they don't, uh, when a snow goose gets it, it doesn't just drop dead out of the sky. As opposed, they, they, they really become, so they can't, they can't fly. And they, they have sort of muscular issues, and then they just perish. So it's not that a snow goose, you're watching a bunch of birds fly overhead, and suddenly they fall out of the sky, as sometimes happens with blackbirds, when they get caught in a hailstorm or a big wind and they collide with each other. Um, the actual number from the CDC is 593 detections. Well, as I said, that, uh, <laughs> that group in, North, in South Dakota picked up more than the, than the CDC thinks exists all in all of them all of America, and Mike Brasher, uh, a waterfowl scientist from Ducks Unlimited, says that this, this bird flu feels a little different than the past ones. It appears that, I'm quoting here, that the mortality rates among wild birds appear to be higher. Certainly, it's in the very early stages, but it does appear to be more lethal. Uh, and so if you're out looking at birds, how do you tell if a wild duck or a goose or a crane has bird flu? A lot of them don't show any symptoms, but others can experience basically paralysis. They, they get swelling around the eyes. Uh, they get a twisted head or neck. Um, and um, eventually, as I said, they, they just can't, they can't fly. They sort of almost appear drunk walking around in a field or swimming in the water very oddly, and, and then they, they just perish. Uh, what do we need to know about this? Well, as I said a moment ago, if this gets into the game farm populations, we could see a number of game farms across the country have serious problems. It's not as though you have one bird infected in your in your game farm and you can kill that bird. They basically you you're gonna USDA comes in and you have to eliminate all the birds, which would have a just a profound impact on the shooting on the hunting preserve business. But hopefully that doesn't occur. Can the bird flu infect people? According to the CDC, it's extremely rare. Human infections with bird flu viruses could happen when, when the bird flu gets into a person's eyes, nose, or mouth, or is inhaled. But there's really uh, the chances of trans transmission to humans are, are, are very, very, very remote. But given what we've just come through as a world, the last thing we need is, is another flu. So the other thing about birds is, are they safe to clean to eat? If you think you shot a bird that doesn't look right, definitely, definitely do not do not try to eat it, even if you cook it thoroughly. Poultry, you know, if they reach a temperature of 165 degrees, it will kill the organisms and parasites. And also the suggestion is dress the birds in the field whenever possible and wear, wear gloves when cleaning birds. Also, don't eat or drink while cleaning or handling game. Another question about bird flu is, is can my hunting dog get the bird flu? The advice from, from experts, and that's probably a broad term, experts, is don't send your dog to retrieve, retrieve birds that are obviously sick, and don't send them to pick up dead birds found in the field. It's not something that your dog needs to put in its mouth. There does not seem to be uh, any serious threat to hunting dogs, but the CDC says it's impossible for a dog. It's not impossible for a dog to contract the avian flu either. And they, they appear to be very, very, very low, but not zero risk, according to the head veterinarian in North Dakota's Board of Health. So the spring snow goose seasons are underway. Uh, hunters are encountering this. It was many, many years ago, like 15 years ago, actually maybe even longer, 
when we first became aware of bird flu and there was a, a lot of discussion and it became, became known that summer, a great deal of discussion as to would it affect the hunting season in the fall. It did not, and the bird flu went away, but we're going to have to watch this one. The flyway councils, which, which monitor waterfowl populations, are already setting up surveillance. In their words, they're, quote-unquote, running a full-court press, uh, trying to find out what they can about the wild birds, and they're going to sample tens of thousands over the next year or more. Um, and it's, it's a high priority for the states. And it just, at all of you listening, I know, as I am, are just scratching our heads saying, you know, how, how can we possibly now have this in front of us? Hopefully we don't. And as I said at the beginning, I certainly am an optimist, and we, and we certainly hope that we get out ahead of this. But it is out there. It's more serious than it was the last time. We'll have, we'll have much more on it as it progresses. So I'm going to take a break now when I come back on some, some incredible news. And here we are talking about a, a bird flu. Incredible news. The woodpecker, the ivory-billed woodpecker, well, it may not be extinct after all. And just a few weeks ago, I did a show on the ivory bill and talking about how maybe it had ended up in Arkansas and via a hurricane. I'm going to come back and tell you where maybe there might be some ivory bill woodpeckers and maybe the Fish and Wildlife Service was a bit premature in taking them off the threatened species, off the endangered list, and putting them on the extinct list. Thanks so much for being with me. I'll be back in just a moment. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. In the field, hunters need to be alert. Sense the environment around them and know exactly where they are communicate seamlessly with their dogs. And when it comes to pickup trucks, you want the same qualities. The all-new Chevy Silverado comes with an available 4G Wi-Fi hotspot for seamless communication. It's designed to handle the toughest loads with advanced trailering technology, tough on the road and off. And the all-new design gives you more cargo space than the competition. Chevy Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. Plus, there's never been a better time to see your local Chevy dealer about the Big Fix lease. It's an amazing lease deal that can lower your monthly payments and give you more Chevy, all for less money. That's a treasure hunt. So head to your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and see why Chevy is the number one best-selling brand in Chicagoland, now eight years running. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. As I promised you before the break, and if you're just joining me, there's a possibility, a hope, even if it's small, that indeed the ivory-billed woodpecker does exist in the United States, and that the Fish and Wildlife Service, which put it on the extinct list a couple of years ago after the uh, failed attempt to, to find it again in Arkansas after they thought they had found it many years ago, they never could find it again. They ruled them extinct. Well, it's not quite the, the Loch Ness Monster, you know, Bigfoot, but it's a bird that is so rare and unpredictable that the thought that they may still be alive and pecking in the forests of Louisiana um, is one that certainly is worth noting. And a team of researchers has been studying them for the, for the last several years, and they believe 
that the wood, ivory bill woodpecker does exist in the very remote and, and yet undisclosed woodlands of Louisiana. The last picture of a ivory bill woodpecker taken in the wild, the last one known was in 1944. We now have a three-year quest to find the, the woodpecker that involves scientists going through very remote and large forests of Louisiana. If, if I had to guess, I would say they're in the Tensaw. The Tensaw is a huge river system in north-central Louisiana. It's, it's the largest, I believe it's the largest intact forest left in the lower Mississippi alluvial plain. Uh, the Tensaw is, is a national wildlife refuge, and, and if the ivory bill could be anywhere, that's probably where these folks are looking, although they have not disclosed it. And you may recall a few years ago, they thought they had sighted an ivory bill in the White River and Cache River areas of Arkansas, and every tree and every bird was looked at for the next three years, and nobody ever found it again. But this time, they think they have it. And with unmanned trail cameras that were set up to take pictures on time-lapse photographs and drones that were used to capture photos of the creature, they think they have it. An individual by the name of Steve Lotta, who's the Director of Conservation at the National Aviary in Pittsburgh, led this effort. And he said the team member had encounters with the ivory bill woodpecker, and they heard their call, which has been described like, well, it's the oh-my-god bird, because that's what their sound, the call of the ivory bill was so haunting, and, and he describes it as a child's puff into a tin trumpet. That's a quote from him. Lotta said he himself saw the bird fly upwards in front of him, showing its distinctive white edges on its wings. He said it flew at an angle, and he said he watched it for six to eight seconds, which is a fairly long time for an ivory-billed woodpecker to be in flight. He said, I was shaking afterwards, and he said, I am absolutely convinced that I saw the bird. So now they have photographs. The paper is going to be released. It will get attention across the world once again. And let's hope, let's hope the ivory bill is in fact with us in the United States. That would be just tremendous. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, speculation on how they saw the ivory bill in Arkansas came from individuals who felt that it the population may still exist in Cuba. There were always, always ivory built in Cuba. And that it, a singular bird was blown off in a hurricane, tropical storm, and ended up in the Cache River of Arkansas and either perished or flew back to Cuba. But in the United States, we have not seen one in the wild since 1944. And this group, led by Steve Lotta of the National Aviary in Pittsburgh, he thinks they have them, and it's more than one, obviously. Otherwise, they would not be—they uh, wouldn't be in existence. They were once fairly common, stretching from the Carolinas on southeast to Texas, and they are, or they were, depending on how you want to view this. I'm going to say they are the largest woodpeckers in the United States, with male woodpeckers, ivory bills. They have a very distinctive red crest on their heads. And primarily, they're, uh, they're insect eaters that, that eat uh, the bark from, uh, from trees, uh, particularly decaying trees. So we're going to see what happens. This would, be, this would be such a great win if this bird was still in existence. And, and I, as I said, my guess is Tinsaw National Wildlife Refuge, over 100,000 acres, is where this bird is, has been found or these birds have been found. 
So stand by. This is going to be really cool. And we'll look for the results when they, uh, when they are published. Obviously, this is being kept completely under wraps at this point, something that didn't happen in Arkansas. What happened in Arkansas when the Ivory Bill was cited was everybody ran to the White River Valley looking for it. Everyone ran into the cash. Fish and Wildlife Service came in to buy up tens of thousands of acres of land, which they did, and it was kind of a zoo because um, they were buying up land to try to protect the woodpecker that actually wasn't there in the end. Uh, but still, it was great for conservation. This time, they're not disclosing the location. We'll find out more. But thank you so much for being with me this morning. Next week, when I come back, I'm going to take you to California, the California coast, and maybe talk a little bit about the incredible fishing that villages that used to be, and yes, Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara used to be a fishing village. That's how it started. Today, probably the most spectacular place in all the coast in California, one of the greatest places to live in all the world, is not known for its fishing, but the history is still there. And also, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on on the prairies as we talk about spring migration, and then I'm definitely going to talk about the Rockford Airport and the Pelbo Prairie, one of the last ones left in Illinois, and it's threatened by an expansion from the airport. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Have a great and safe week in the great outdoors. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.